All right, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Mac and Fish podcast. I'm Coach McKinley Rowe, and I'm here with my co-host, Charles Fishbine, better known as Fish. Fish, what's going on? Doing well, man. All right, today we're lucky to have a, a, a great coach uh, today on the cast, uh, Coach Willie Simmons, uh, for head coach at FAMU. FAMU! All right, well, let's uh, Fish, talk a little bit about Coach Simmons. Well, Coach Simmons uh, played his college football at Clemson, also spent a year at the Citadel. Um, his head coaching career started at Prairie View, was 21-11, and 19-6 in the league, and 8-2 and in his first season. Uh, while there, he led his team led uh, the SWAC in yards at, with almost 500 yards per game and was sixth in the NCAA and second overall in rushing while uh, the head coach at Prairie View uh, College. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we're lucky to have you, uh, Coach. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, coach, uh, taking over a program at Prairie View, a program that once lost over 80 games in a row, uh, how difficult uh, was that for you to change that losing culture? Well, I, my mindset going in was to focus on what could be and not so much on what was. And so uh, I had been familiar with Prairie View, obviously being in the SWAC for three years prior as offensive coordinator at Alcorn State. So they were a high-powered offense uh, the year prior to my uh, becoming the head coach. Um, I think they finished either leading the conference or second, and I think they were second behind us in scoring offense. Um, the game that we actually played them, uh, the final score was 77 to 49, if you can imagine that. And <laughs> wow. so uh, I knew that I was taking over a very talented team offensively, um, obviously, we had some things to fix on the defensive side of the ball. So we just went in with a, a championship mindset. Um, I always believe that um, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So we weren't going to talk about winning games on the field until we talked about winning off the field, which meant going to class, uh, getting your study table hours in, um, being pillars in the community, and just doing the little things that it takes to be a, a, a great student. And once we were able to develop those habits, uh, they translated onto the football field. Um, I commend that senior group. They're one of the best senior groups I've ever been a part of. And they brought in right, they bought in right away. And so with a great senior uh, class with a talented football team, uh, we were able to score a bunch of points. We led the nation in scoring that year in 2015 um, at 44.9 points a game, almost 45 points a game. And uh, ended up winning, you know, in my mind, nine, nine games, um, the NCAA, uh, vacated one of those wins because the team that we played um, obviously didn't meet uh, all of the, the accreditation requirements. But um, very successful first year and set a foundation um, that they're still riding today. Yeah, having so much success and going eight and two in that first season, how much of an impact did that have for the players, uh, the program itself, the administration that you guys finally got over the hump and won a lot of ball games? What did that do to that program as far as taking it, you know, going to another level? Well, it raised expectations pretty quickly <laughs> after, <laughs> after coming in the first year and, and having a great season. Obviously, uh, people got really excited about the, the direction of the program. Uh, and we actually uh, never hit that, that, uh, that amount, that, that win total again uh, in those first three years, but had some really successful seasons. Um, had some really good players during that time. Kadera Hodge, uh, one of my wide receivers is still playing in the NFL. Quentin Bell, uh, one, of the, one of my uh, signees uh, who moved over to the defensive side of the ball when we transitioned uh, out is, is playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Um, Anthony Stubbs, a linebacker that we had uh, was with the Cleveland Browns last year. So uh, a lot of star power, a lot of all-conference, all-American type guys. And uh, But it, it did. It raised the standard there. I think it's a standard that they still have there to this day. Uh, my first class just graduated, uh, just kind of finished. So uh, it, it was great to see all of those guys that we signed in that first class um, walking out <coughs> walking out with their degrees. And that's one of, the, one of my highlights as a head coach whenever you see in, uh, young men that you recruit. Uh, get their degrees and go on and do great things. So a uh, great foundation, I think, that we set. And again, they're still riding that now as Eric Dula's going in and, and uh, continue to do a, a good job of that program. So, Coach, how, you know, once you build a program like that, how difficult was it to leave that behind? Well, uh, it, it was difficult to leave a $60 million stadium. <laughs> um, but uh, many people who know me know that FAMU has always been home for me. Uh, I grew up here. Uh, 20 minutes away from, from campus. Uh, my mother was the first of, of five in her family who graduated from Florida A&M. Uh, my godbrother played football for Coach Ken Riley. Um, my, my wife is a two-time graduate, will soon be a third-time graduate uh, when she finishes her PhD program here. Uh, our oldest son is a rising senior here. Uh, just, we're just starting his senior year here uh, today. And so FAMU's always been in my blood and it's always been one of those dream schools when people talk about dream jobs and places that they love to coach. FAMU has always been one of those places for me. So even though we had kind of fallen on tough times here in the highest of Seven Hills, uh, I was up to the challenge and I felt that we can come in and do some great things. And uh, so far we're trending in the right direction. You know, FAMU has a great history in football, 567 wins all time to compare to only 274 losses. They're, have a great bowl record, won a national championship in 1978. They won 37 conference titles. What's it going to take to get FAMU back to that level, uh, that high level uh, at your school? Well, just consistency. It's going to take consistency from, from the players, from the support staff, from us as coaches, from the administration. Um, you know, Florida has never been short of talent. You know, we're in one of the most talent-rich states uh, in the United States. And so within a four-hour radius, we can go out and attract some very, very uh, talented student-athletes. And so the problem here has never really been talent. I think the problem has been consistency in establishing a winning culture. And for us, that's what we're focused on. We're focused on uh, maintaining a championship culture, a championship mindset, uh, that old saying that, that, that championship uh, cultures don't graduate. And so when one group of, of seniors, which we had another phenomenal senior class last year, uh, walks out of the door, when a new group of freshmen and, and transfers come in, they should come into a culture that's already established. So hopefully we're not trying to uh, recreate the wheel, uh, so to speak, every year and reestablish our culture. Hopefully we can develop a culture here that, that's sustainable. And uh, whoever comes in as players or coaches, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's set and it's in stone and uh, it never goes anywhere. Oh, Coach, not, not too many fans know this, but some of the best players in college football came from HBCUs. Uh, Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Shannon Sharp. You saw that top-rated basketball recruit, McCore Maker, choose Howard University. In the current environment and climate and in, in the current times, could you potentially see a big-time football player choose an HBCU college uh, next year and in the years coming? I think it's a possibility. I think it's definitely uh, something that, that these young men – are considering uh, these days. And we've had a lot of discussions with prospective student athletes, with high school coaches uh, about just that. And uh, we've, even in my short time here at Florida and them, we've had top tier student athletes on campus. Uh, we were able to host the number one player 
in all of America. Uh, my second, my first year uh, at the at the in the in, in the program, um, we didn't we didn't get him obviously, but um, he did get on campus and he had a great time. And so I think it's gonna gonna take just a collaborative effort from everyone involved. It's gonna take uh, the administration to understand how important facilities are, how important our infrastructure is. Um, if we're going to try to to convince a 17, 18 year old young man to turn down the opportunity to go play in a 100,000 seat stadium for a stadium that seats 30,000, um, obviously they're gonna have to be other things that, that appeal to that young man. And so we wanna have uh, you know, the type of, of infrastructure where he feels like he can be successful for the next four or five years. Uh, I think the unique thing about basketball um, is that you, you have the whole one and done kind of phenomenon where um, I'm not sure if that's what the young man who chose Howard was, is, is looking to do. Um, but if, if, if Howard can't provide him with an experience that he feels matches Georgetown, so to speak, who's right across the street, uh, then he can always uh, declare for the NFL draft. You know, if, if a high school football player decides to come to an HBCU, he's relegated to three years at least of being on that campus. And so just making sure that we have the infrastructure to continue to develop him as well as his teammates to give them the best chances to be successful. And if we can consistently show that, um, I think that we'll be able to attract these young men and maybe turn the tide a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I, and I said that, Coach. I, you know, looking back on it, I, I always said that, you know, FAMU is FSU's best recruiting, recruiting pitch, right? I mean, you know, it's a great, it's a great school. You know, it's got a lot of history. And if, if the administration ever gives you the resources available, I think you can definitely land a couple of top 100 kids, believe it or not. Um, now, do you feel as though the administration is, is, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, you know, this is, you know, but I want to see, do you feel as though that's kind of going in that direction? Do you think you'll have that support to, to, to make it a powerhouse? Well, I think the, the thing uh, that people have to understand, and this, this obviously is a hot topic in today's climate, uh, it's, not, it's not so easy as the administration saying, here, we're going to, uh, you know, give the football program a, a million dollars to build a new weight room or a new training room. It doesn't work like that, at least in the state of Florida. Uh, we have very, very strict rules and guidelines as far as what the university is allowed to do for athletics, which basically is nothing. The university can't, we can't use any um, auxiliary funds to support the athletics program. Everything that we have in athletics is, is self, self sufficient. We have to be self sufficient, which means we have to go out and raise. When we set a budget, that budget is contingent on us being able to raise that much money with ticket sales, uh, with alumni giving, with, with sponsorships and things of that nature. And so again, it's not just a matter of the school giving us money because they can't do that. It's a, it's a matter of us really uh, convincing our alumni that it's important and to comment upon them as uh, the investors of Florida and athletics to allocate some of those dollars that they give to, to the university to athletics for us to continue to, to update our facility, upgrade our facilities, uh, to continue to provide our student athletes with a first class experience, um, eventually get to things such as cost of attendance and some of the other recruiting tools that that um, the FBS programs use against us. But if we can do that, which I think we can, uh, I think we'll be able to, again, turn the tide and we're not gonna get all of them. You know, we're not out here saying that we want every top 100 player in the country to, to come to FAMU. You know, it only takes one or two difference makers to, to position us to be a championship caliber football team. And that's really what we're trying to do. We want it to be a perfect fit. We want young men who wanna be at FAMU. Uh, we want young men who, who can be successful at FAMU. And we want to be able to provide an opportunity and give them the resources to be successful. And um, I think we're on our way to do that.
There's some good coaches at the HBCU level. What's it going to take for one of the FBS or Power 5 programs to really give you guys an opportunity at the next level uh, at one of those head coaching jobs? Just that. You just said it. Just give, us, <laughs> give us the opportunity. Um, I, I think there's a huge misconception uh, uh, as to the quality of coaching here in the MEAC, in the SWAC, uh, at the HBCU level. Um, there's some phenomenal coaches here at this level. Um, what many people don't realize is we have to do a lot more with a lot less. You know, we don't have the, the multi-million dollar budgets to go and fly across the United States and recruit student athletes from all over the country. Uh, we, our, our recruitment base is a lot of times relegated to, a, like I said, a four-hour radius. And so, you know, a lot of schools, we're, we're blessed to hear Florida and them because, you know, Jacksonville is right down the road. Tallahassee is a great place where we are for recruiting Atlanta. Um, is four hours away. You know, Orlando, Tampa, Mobile, Pensacola, Birmingham. You know, Miami's in the state, but Miami's about six hours away. Uh, but we don't really have to go that far. But you look at some of the other HBCUs, maybe they're not in the hotbed of talent like we are. And so they have to really do a great job of evaluating talent and, and really finding those diamonds in the rough and getting them into the program and developing those young men to be able to win, win games and be successful. Uh, we, we, a lot of our programs aren't fully funded which means we don't have the full allotment of scholarships a lot of times. And so we're really having to try to win with walk-ons and, and guys that, um, you know, again, are coming in on partial scholarships and all of those things. So there are a lot of challenges that we face. Many of us as coaches at this level wear multiple hats. You know, all of our coaches have dual responsibilities. They're not just coaching running backs and, and, and linebackers. I mean, they're academic liaisons. There's some of them are even working strength and conditioning. Um, they're, they're academic, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, financial aid liaisons, you name it. And so the amount of work that we have to put in and still be required to be successful is unmatched by, by you know, schools at the PWI level and, and, and Power 5 level. So um, there's some great coaches here, and, and I just I just hope that the, the powers that be, the decision makers, are taking notice and they're looking throughout all of college football, not just the Division One FBS level, but looking throughout FCS football, Division Two football, even junior college football, because – just being on these Zoom calls that we've been on all summer with hundreds of coaches um, at all levels, I've been very, very impressed with the uh, with the amount of of talent um, African American coaches have at all levels, and I, I just feel like we're given the opportunity that we'll show that we can, uh, you know, win games and win championships and, and and represent our institutions in a first class manner. Absolutely, Coach. What are you you guys doing right now? That the you know I know you guys are are shut down for this season. Uh, as a program, what are you doing to kind of keep the guys sharp, keep the guys, their, their spirits up as a program, keep it moving in that right direction? Yeah, what we're doing, we're trying to do a lot of creative things to, to keep the guys engaged. Um, I really try to put my, put my head together with my staff and figure out ways to empower our young men uh, during this fall. Um, obviously, normally football season is going on, so there's not a lot of things that you can do during this time of year. And so we're kind of taking more of a spring mindset, which during the spring, you have a lot more time to expose guys to, to different guest speakers, um, to different uh, community service opportunities. Uh, we're bringing in, uh, you know, people to, to, to really address mental health and wellness. Um, that's one of the biggest issues that, that our young men face, especially being that football is not played this fall, um, financial literacy. Uh, so really just a lot of areas where um, we don't necessarily get some of the the opportunities that a quote unquote regular student would get, um, you know, field rides, um, you know, of course, following all the social distancing guidelines, but uh, some of our guys, just the opportunity to get in the car with the, with the police officer for a day, if he wants to be 
uh, in law enforcement. They may be going to do a field ride. Some of our guys want to go in sales. So maybe jumping in with a pharmaceutical salesman, uh, salesperson to go ride around, uh, the, the, ride around the community, going to different hospitals and clinics and, and just seeing what that life is like. So just giving these guys, exposing them to opportunities that otherwise they wouldn't get during the fall is what our mindset is going to be. And um, I think we'll be able to, to do some positive things to keep these guys engaged. And when the semester's over, they'll be able to look back and say that they feel like they, they've grown as students, as young men, um, as, as future employees, employers, that will give them the, 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 the resources and the platform to be successful uh, when they leave FAMU. Excellent, excellent. Well, Coach, um, we usually let, uh, let our guests uh, give their social media uh, as far as like a Twitter where people can follow you and follow the program. Uh, what's your handles? Yeah, so I'm on, you know, I'm on Twitter uh, and Instagram. I don't do much uh, Snapchat. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my daughter actually asked me last night. I told her I'm not on TikTok. But uh, my handle is on Twitter and Instagram. My H at H at, I'm sorry, at HC as in head coach, HC Willie Simmons. Um, it's capital H, capital C, Willie Simmons. Uh, then you can find me on Facebook at uh, Willie R. Simmons. Um, you can also follow our um, athletics uh, page or at, at FAMU Athletics. That's F-A-M-U Athletics on Instagram, on Twitter as well. We're having some, some technical difficulties with our football Twitter page. And so once we get that squared away with Twitter, um, we will blast that information out. But you'll be able to follow most of I retweet a lot of things that the athletics uh, program puts out. Um, anytime something is, is, is printed or written about one of our student athletes, particularly a football player, um, I share it out on my page. So if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, um, you'll be able to see a lot of things going on right now. FAMU Athletics, a great administration. We got some great renovations going on with our locker room, with our, with our weight room, with our foyer area. Um, getting a new roof on the field house and the softball team is getting a, a new turf field put down. Baseball team just got a new locker room. And so just a lot of great things going on at Florida and them right now, even in the midst of a pandemic, uh, our alumni giving is, is at an all time high. And so we're very, very happy and proud of what's going on over there on the hill. And uh, we're looking forward to when we can finally strap it up and play some football again. I got you. Well, hey, Coach, uh, well, FAMU is lucky to have you and hopefully they can hold on to you for a couple more years because, you know, there's no doubt you're going to be up in the, in the ranks. So. Um, you know, just very impressed with you. Everything you're doing as a program, as a, as a head coach, you know, you have a fan in us. And uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, thank, thank you, you for coming on, Coach. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I want to get you back on. <laughs> oh, we definitely will, Coach. We definitely All right. will. All right, no problem. <laughs>